Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the Kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Kingdom Conversations. I have the most fun guest today that I am excited to introduce to you, and we're going to be talking about what is salt and light. I know that we hear a lot about it, but what is FCC salt and light? What is it that draws us into the presence of the Lord? And so I have invited three dear friends of mine to come, and we're going to talk about this. So I'm going to go around the table and ask them to introduce themselves. And so I'm going to start with... um, my friend here to my left that tell us a little bit about yourself how long you've been a part of salt and light and if you were explaining to somebody who had never heard about what we do 30 seconds or less what would you say hey mary thanks for having me here i'm lynn dotto and you want to know about me i work full-time graduated two kids out of college so my husband and i are learning how to live without children but with a dog um (laughs) And salt and light, to define it, I would say it is a way of having a conversation with Jesus or Jesus's people every day. Mm. Who are Jesus's people? You know, they could be the prophets in the Old Testament. They could be one of his disciples. They could be somebody who's having a vision that Jesus has given them. But I suppose anybody in scripture. Yeah, that's good. Um, my name is Marissa Katzenberger, and I am a newish mom. He, my little baby is almost one and a half years old. I also work full-time and have a chocolate lab named Cooper. I love Salt and Light um, because it is different than any kind of Bible study that I've ever done. Um, I like how it's broken up in small chunks, and you really get to focus on those verses and dig deep for that day. And without fail, I always find something that speaks to me and it stays with me throughout the whole entire day. And it's something that I can turn to in those moments of weakness or frustration or whatever may be going on that certain day. Yeah, I'm with you. Simplicity gives us consistency. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm John Katzenberger, Marissa's lesser half, I guess. (laughs) Um, Our only male today. Yeah, my only male. I am heading up the men's side of Salt and Light and um, have been leading a group for, I don't know, three or four studies now. And the thing I love about Salt and Light is that, unlike past Bible studies I have, I have freedom. Um, While we're all studying the same chunk of Scripture each day, um, I can choose to study something in there that speaks to me that the person in my group might not choose. And I can spend an hour on well building in like we studied in Genesis and what the wells were like if I if that's speaking to me that day and or I can study in Habakkuk the problems that we're um, facing in America today and comparing and contrasting like that so you have a lot of freedom in um, in what in really reacting to what the Holy Spirit's talking to you about that day 
and that's the thing that I really enjoy the most. So something we were talking about when we were prepping for this was how different men and women are in mm -hmm. doing the study. Mm -hmm. And what a great example that you got stuck yeah. on how to build a well. Because I'm pretty sure I didn't hear any of the women talk about no. that, job. And it's funny. <laughs> almost all of the men in our group studied building wells and what wells Isn't looked like awesome. back in you know, 4,000 years ago. So. Yeah, true story. We do, for those of you that are listening, we have over um, 40 leaders right now, and they will do a feedback post. And so when we first started doing, having the men reply, we were reading through Revelation. Do you remember this? Yes. And so the women are like, uh, you know, um, God is the sun, and we are the moon, and we reflect this. It looks just this very beautiful, like, right? And then I start getting the guys, and they're like, and it is written blood on the robe at the bottom <laughs> as like the total dip. What, what was that takeaway? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was, it was um, the robe is dipped in blood. Yes. And that was our, yeah. Yes. But what I loved was it was so good. And all, what's funny is the men will hear what the women are sharing. That's, I would have never thought of that. Mm -hmm. And vice versa. Yeah. The women do that too. So with that said, um, Lynn, how long have you been doing Salt and Light? I don't know, Mary. When did you start it? I think I was like your first student. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Has this been like six years? Yeah. Well, we Four I years? started 22 years ago, like um, participating, but I think it's been seven years since we started mm -hmm. putting together this format of simplicity. And um, I love, you shared recently in a leadership meeting what it is that you love about doing Salt and Light. And, um, and so will you share that with us? Oh my goodness, I'll try. I don't even remember what it was. There's a lot of things that I enjoy about salt and light, but I think my favorite thing is just as we go through the scriptures, not only is everybody different, but when the Lord speaks to us, there's personalization in there, but it makes me understand what he meant by the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, but by myself, Maybe I'm the pinky, so I only get this much that the Lord's given me. But as we do it in community, I get to see what the toe says and what the liver says and what the head says. Well, that would be Christ, right? But what the eyebrow says. So um, <laughs> I just enjoy being able to see Christ's body in its fullness that I would never do by myself. Me too. Would you guys agree with that? Like when you come together, I learn so much, whether they're brand new or they've been reading the Bible for 50 years, there is something that I would have never taken away had I done this in isolation. Would you say that's true? Yeah, and that's the thing I love the most is when we get together in a group every single week, there's at least one thing, usually multiple things, I never would have thought of. I never would have thought to have studied. I never would have thought, I mean, I didn't, wouldn't even have read. Yes. You know, in all of my study, and but someone else has done it, and that's and that can a lot of times be my major takeaway from the entire yes. week is what someone else has said in group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we, what we encourage if you're sitting here and you're listening today and you're thinking, boy, what do they do? What we're going to tell you is, um, I love this verse, Psalm 27a, and it says, "My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me," and my heart responds, "Lord, I am coming." It's that prepping our heart to hear from God because. Um, it's really easy to go in and start checking boxes and I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to find a defined word. I'm going to write. And we miss out on the presence of the Holy Spirit. We kind of take over, right, in that that wanting to control that. But when we go in and say, Lord, speak to us, I'm always blown away. Many times I'll think, oh, that's the word I really want to focus on today. And then the Lord will shift that as I'm reading through, right? So, um, John, we attend to 
um, small chunks of daily reading. And it, that is one of the things I think that makes us different. Tell me what you thought when you started and then what you think now about that. It, there, I think in our first study we were doing Revelation, I think you gave us one verse. And I was like, really? One verse? That's all we're going to study today? We've got like 12 chapters to cover. But in that one verse, it's amazing when you're when that's parsed out like that, how much you can actually study. For example, when we just got did Habakkuk. Habakkuk is, you can read Habakkuk in 20 minutes, probably yeah, from start right. to finish, right? But parsing it out and only studying two verses at a time really like lets you dig into the point where you're going to remember now every single little thing and theme in Habakkuk that yes. generally you just forget. You yes. read through a minor prophet book and go, got that lesson, but did you really... Is it going to stick to your heart? Is it going to yes. stay in your soul? You know, is, is the Holy Spirit going to continue to remind you of all of those moments of the, when I'm reading through Habakkuk and questioning God, you know, and all these little things. And so by doing that, it's it's different just than any other normal Bible study. We're doing, you know, two verses here, three verses here, four verses here. and But all of those days I'm remembering as yes. you go through the day, you know, as you go through the week. And then it, we gather in a group and it all kind of ties a bow in it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. When we gather in a group, does it surprise you? One of the things we do is we define words, and we define words in context, but then also personalization. And so there are times we're sitting, we've read, we've all read exactly the same thing, and they'll define a word, and I'm like, where did that word come from? Have you had that experience? Um, one of the things that I really enjoy is that all we ask is that you use a literal translation. And so some people might be using ESV and some people might be using NIV. Some people might be doing NLT. And I love when we start to look at those words, just how it adds a richness to that. Uh, speaking of words, for Marissa, tell me, like, was there a word that you've defined in any of the studies that, how did that change the way you read the Bible? I think the one word that really stuck out to me during Habakkuk was mercy. Um, I can be a little hard sometimes and not be overly merciful or <laughs> compassionate unless I feel it is due. Um, so it's a word that has really stuck with me. And a definition I read somewhere in one of my study Bibles was mercy is compassion manifested. Mm. And I've really sat on that and just thinking about my day-to-day -day life and what I am, you know, am I showing mercy to the world? Am I showing compassion? Or am I getting impatient with the customer service lady from Walmart because mm. they messed up my order? Yeah. You know, I kind of... <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> <I was> Literally. <laughs> um, so it's just something that has really stuck with me um, is mercy. Do you want to hear the difference between a, a man and a woman here? Yeah. Okay, so her thing was mercy, and I, the, the word that I'm remembering that we just did in Habakkuk was indignation. Oh, and so tell me about that. It's anger of a superior. Uh -huh. And so that was one of the things that spoke with me. We're talking about God's indignation towards these, basically to Babylon. But... Well, I'd never defined it. I mean, I, just, I knew, you know, what indignation was. But the fact that it's anger from a superior, whereas God is holier than all and holier than all, you know, all beings. And so when you read that word and go, yeah, he's going to thresh, um, thresh out the Babylonians and thresh out that and, and trample, I think, is one of the words as well. So when I read that, she's talking about mercy, and I'm talking about anger and indignation. Yeah. But um, it's just kind of a... 
That is such a great example of the female male Mm -hmm. difference in that. That leads me to, you know, there are four phases we talk about in Salt and Light, and it's information, revelation, sanctification, transformation. So we start with reading information. If you're new to reading your Bible, this is all brand new. You're observing, you're reading, but then you come to a revelation. You know, you become, you have conviction. Oh, I'm doing that, and I should not be doing that. And I don't know how many of you sitting at this table have done this, but in the beginning, I would think, I'm never going to do that again. Thank you, Lord. And then I would walk out of the room and begin to completely sin and do it over and over again. And what I realized is the lie that I was believing is that um, revelation leads to transformation. No, revelation leads to sanctification. And that's where we get to practice, which is the theme for our new book, Philippians, practice these things, is now that I know that to be true, God understands that there's the flesh and then there's the spirit and they're at war. And so I get to practice and practice and practice until one day transformation takes place. And my favorite example was I was a smoker for years. And I remember when the Lord's like, you know, this isn't the best that I have for you, Mary. And so for five years, I would start and stop and start and stop. I thought I was never going to overcome it. And then I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, one day, it just kind of got easier and better. And I can tell you that 27 years later, I never think about having a cigarette ever because God has given birth to transformation. But I had to sit in sanctification from the moment I saw the Lord kind of reveal that that was probably not the best that he had for me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lynn, how about you? Tell me about words. Well, as you were speaking, I was thinking one of the first words I ever looked up in a Bible study was disciple. I always thought those were Jesus's friends, like that he picked, and then I realized, oh, it's a discipulo, right? It's a it's a student from Greek, and it also had to do with discipline. And I realized that in order to be students of Christ, we would have to be disciplined in order to practice those things. Yes. That it wasn't going to be something that happened overnight, and that really transformed my relationship with the Lord because. I always thought that he lived 2,000 some years ago, and so his time was done and those people were dead. And realizing that, no, as a student of Christ, it's that disciplined practice so that we become like our teacher. And he is alive and well. I just didn't know that yet. I love that word practice. It's something that our pastors all talk about, that the practice is this place of um, I remember Pastor James in our uh, recent podcast talking about if, you, if you're not thinking you're practicing, then you think you have to be perfect, and we're not. Mm. The practice gives, a, gives us that freedom to cry out to the Lord. I'm so grateful that God does not look at how I begin. He looks at how I finish, mm. and I want to finish well only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we talked about... Uh, so in our format, we, we pray. We ask the Lord to open our eyes to hear from him. And then we read. And I just want to tell you one of the things I love about reading small chunks is you can um, read through the first time just for observation. And then you read through the second time and you start seeing God speak to you. You might even read through a third time because it's a small chunk. And you start to find the verse or the word or the phrase that you're going to work on. And then we're going to talk about how important we're going to define that word. And then we're going to talk about how important context is, especially in this world right now that is redefining words. Mm-hmm. 
So what is our truth? So if I were to ask you that, Lynn, what is truth? What would you say? Well, if it's a capital T, then it's Christ. If it's a small T, it should still be reality, right? Based on scripture and reality, there should be a, they should be synonymous. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So my truth and your truth is not truth. Right. Unless it lines up with scripture scripture and reality. His truth. That's exactly right. Yeah, and so we want to make sure that context is in there because there is a um, there is a danger sweeping through our country called progressive Christianity right now where they are redefining terms and they're twisting scripture to fit culture. But scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So John, tell me what how important context is, how it helps us not to fall into redefining terms in our own words. Well, it's funny. I often start my study after I pray and read with context. I am I'm um, really focused on why or what is happening in what I'm is in what I'm reading. So, like for example, in John, we went through many chapters where it's purely red letters. And you had to realize at one point, Jesus is still talking to the same group of Jews that he was talking to two chapters ago. This is just one long monologue. And so the, the things that he kept bringing up, you had to remember, like, remind yourself, he's pounding these truths home to these people who he knows are, he, they're never going to believe, right? Yeah. Christ knows that these people are never going to believe, but he's saying these things so that I can read them today. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? And these words, Matthew's recording, so that lives can be touched 2,000 years later. Yes. And even though Jesus knew that those Jews at that time Mm -hmm. probably weren't going to believe what he was saying and and, and it wasn't going to matter, it was going to go in one ear and out the other, that lives were going to be touched by that millennium later. And so the thing I have to constantly focus on and the thing that I I choose to constantly focus on is knowing the context of what's going on is going to help me understand it better today, but it's also going to help me put it better into practice today. Ah. Um, It's going to help me to, you know, I know that Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus, was mentioning these specific things, but I'm also realizing that because he's mentioning those to them, they they apply to my life right now. Amen. You know, and... um, so that's what I'm, I almost always start with context because I need to know what I'm reading and yes. why I'm reading it today. So let me ask you this, because I think you were kind of touching on it lightly, and then I'm going to go over to Marissa. Um, but how does context give birth to personalization, and what's the difference? Well, that's a good question. Um, the personalization for me most of the time is, I'm, it's funny, I'm almost, and I found this with the guys too, we're almost always asking rhetorical questions in, mm-hmm. in personalization. And I don't know if it's the way with women as well, but um, after we figure out the context and we like say we know wh- why Jesus was saying these things, we apply those to our life because, you know, am I leading my family the way I'm supposed to be leading? Is the Holy Spirit leading our lives the way Jesus is intending mm-hmm. us yeah. that it should be? Um, and so personal, the context guides me to my personalization mm-hmm. almost every single day yeah. that I'm doing the study. Yeah. Now, how about you, Marissa? Yeah, I have to say the same thing. Mine are, um, my personalizations are always rhetorical questions. I mean, like every time. 99% yes. of the time, Mary has done study with me. Lynn was my leader before I finally <laughs> branched off. They know. 
Uh, John and I discuss our takeaways, um, our personalizations, and they're pretty much always questions. And it's just a way for me to reflect on my life and my daily walk with Christ. And it's something that's really special to me. And it's another thing that it can stay with me all day long. Yeah. And it's something I can be repeating in you know different situations that occur, which I love. And I love the context too, taking just a couple verses or even one verse and really diving into it. It Salt and Light has me studying the Bible in a way that I never have before and understanding the Bible in a way that I never have before, yeah. uh, which is something I really love. I love that. Lynn, how about you? I really enjoyed the the context and how you enjoy going back there, because Mary, your your comment about progressive Christianity, which I don't think works together. I don't think you can have a progressive Christian because once you deconstruct everything, it isn't Christian, right? But that context, that's why it's so important, because if you go back and see what was happening, progressives think that once history's done, it's over. It's like evolution, right? It keeps marching on to something bigger and better. But if you know the context or you know your history, you'll realize actually there's been no change, none, since whenever, what is it, page one of the Bible with Adam and Eve, we still have a sin nature. It didn't go away. Amen. With that said, I want to talk about community. So what does community look like, Lynn, when you come together around the small table, small group? Well, ours might look a little different simply because we're on Zoom. Yes. So, yes, so we see squares (laughs) and dogs and cats and kids running and, um, but I, it's, it's been really good because for those of us that live far or have unusual schedules, we come on and, and it actually is a way for some of us to do Bible study that maybe we wouldn't because we couldn't leave our homes at that time. So community looks like us praying together, laughing together, talking together, thinking together, wondering together, um, memorizing scripture together. Yeah. Yeah. That's super important. Yeah. How about you, Marissa? What does community look like on your um, night you meet together? Uh, We all get together. We meet at my mom's house, and it's really wonderful. The ladies pretty much always arrive a little early so we can catch up a little bit, see what's going on in each other's lives. Um, And then we sit down, dive into prayer, and then dive into the study. And it's so special. So many of my ladies are like, oh, I don't know. I didn't get much from this week. And then we end, and I'm like, what? I'm like, you guys got so much from this week. What are you talking about? Uh, So it's just such a special time to gather. Most of us use a different translation of the Bible, which I find is so special. I love hearing how the verses are worded differently, and there may be a word that I kind of got stuck on, and then in another translation, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I love that. How about you, John? It's it's funny. With with the men, it was a little... Um, uncertain, I guess is the right word, about what we were going to be like, you know, because we're not generally big talkers, we're not socializers, we're whatever, but the closeness that we've established in our group is really astounding. Um, We know all about each other's lives, and we're praying for each other, and we're, you know, uh, reaching out to someone saying, hey, man, I'm thinking about you today. Um, I know I'm not the only one. We'll be studying like we were studying Habakkuk, and I go, I can't wait to hear what what Joe has to say about this day, you know, or what Andy had to say about this day. Um, and so, 
that's the thing I'm loving more than anything is that, yes, we're establishing relationships and we're growing closer together in Christ and all of that, and that's fantastic, but the bonds that we're building amongst each other, um, when we see each other in church, we kind of give each other a wink, we, you know, we, we know what's going on in each other's lives, we're following up and praying for each other's wives and families and kids, and um, so it's just been really special um, getting together each Thursday night and really um, forming lasting relationships. Yeah. yeah. If you are sitting here tonight and you are um, listening to this podcast and you are thinking, my heart desires to know God more intimately, my heart desires to walk with other people, there is room at the table. We want to make room. We want to make sure there's a place where we get to come together, where we read through the word. I loved what Lynn said just a few minutes ago, where we get to just talk about the things of God. Mm -hmm. We have we believe statements, which I think are the heart of what we do. And so we're just going to share a few with you. And we're just going to kind of go around. The first one is we believe the word of God supernaturally changes lives as we sit at the feet of Jesus with our Bible opened and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do. We believe all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We believe in sacred small group spaces for men and women to come together on a weekly basis to have Holy Spirit-inspired conversations revolving directly around the Word of God. We believe that simplicity gives us consistency. Through a simple format and practical tools, we get to intimately interact with the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. We believe in raising up self-feeding Christians who are not dependent on what God shows others, but in hearing from Him themselves. We believe we are not the master teachers, we just know the master teacher. Amen. We believe that consistent small group conversations around the Word of God give us accountability. And we believe that though we look at context, we don't stop there. We ask each participant to find a personalization for the day. How does what they learned this morning apply to them throughout the entire day? And that truly is, a, a, this is just a brief picture. It is so much more than that. Come and experience what it looks like to not know about God, but get to know him personally. That's what this whole study is about. And when we talk about self-feeding Christians, our heart is we're not going to ask you questions and share with you what we took away. We're going to let you go to the pure milk of God's word and teach you through simple tools how to hear from him yourself. It will change your life. So let's go around the table one last time, and I want you to close with what is one thing you would like to share that you think is so impactful? Well, we just read it in the, our We Believe statements, but we, it says, We believe all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And it's, it's one thing to say, you know, the Bible says this, or I learned this in Sunday school, or I remember hearing this pastor you know, talk on this, but it's another to be able to study like we're doing and literally memorize scripture and be able to point to that specifically. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, 
I'm, I was talking to a friend who's going through a really hard time, and I was able to basically cite our Habakkuk memory mm. verses and say, yeah. even in, in tough times, you can still choose to, you know, to worship and rejoice in God's goodness. And yeah. I was able to literally point him to Scripture and say, look at these That's verses. So what does this mean to you? And so, and we've done that in John and in Genesis and in James and all these different times, just, and I'm a relative newbie compared to you all, but there's so many instances now where I can point to specific Scripture and know exactly with with no doubt that it's in James and it's in this chapter. And, and, and so that's one of the things I've really gained from this that I never really thought I would, but in just everyday life, being able to recall and refer to scripture that I've studied and I know the meaning and I can say it to you or to my wife or a friend. Um, So that's one of the things that I've really taken out of all this. That's been great. I would agree with that because I think people don't want to know our opinion. They want Mm -hmm. to know God's. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what scripture allows us to do. I think for me, um, some of you may be sitting here listening to this and say, oh, you know, I'm really interested in trying it, but I don't know. I'm really busy. I don't know if I have the time to add one more thing to my schedule. That's the beauty of Salt and Light, the way that the verses are done in just, you know, a couple or even one verse, depending on the week. You can have 15 minutes to do it, or you can have an hour to do it. And you can maybe sit down, read the verse, and then define a word. And then you need to go take care of your kids or something's going on and then come back and finish with the context and the personalization. And you kind of sitting on that verse throughout the day and sitting on your divine defined word throughout the day may lead to an even better personalization than if you're just trying to fit it all in in 15 minutes. But if you're thinking you don't have the time, I promise you do. And it will change your life. It really will. Whenever I have... um, you know, a lady texts me and say, oh, I don't know if I can make it tonight. And I'm like, please make it. I know the hardest thing is just getting there. But once you're there, I promise, like, it, the evening will bless you. Like, our studying of God's word is going to bless each other. Yeah. We had a young mom who said that um, her Bible study looked like a progressive dinner. Because <laughs> <laughs> she would define a word and then have to get up and take care of the baby and come back. But it was so rich by the end of the day. I want to piggyback on all of you with the progressive dinner and the mom that doesn't have a lot of time or could be the dad and then context because we had um, a, a lady come on and she was so disappointed and she said, I don't think I got anything this week because we read about Jacob in Genesis 29 and he marries the wrong woman and doesn't know till the next morning. Like what, what's going on with these people? What's wrong with them? <laughs> And thankfully, because others had dug into it, somebody said, well, remember that if you're picturing a wedding to be, you know, here comes the bride with the long dress and the white veil, etc., that would have been nowhere near anything that this family would have done. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Jewish world, they would have likely, the men would have had this great big feast and they would have brought the bride to the husband, but she would have been betrothed years and years ago, but still it would have been brought to the husband and she would have a veil, but it would be a black or a very dark veil. And I used to live in Saudi Arabia. Some of the veils didn't even have eye holes in them. They're strictly black. So if if Jacob had a little bit of wine at that feast, (laughs) and he's been looking forward to this for at least seven years now, 
and suddenly his wife is brought to him, I'm not sure that he's paying too much attention to what's under the veil. Just, yeah. So that whole evening just came alive for her. But she had enough, and she was she came. But as everybody added the context, it was a blessing, and she went home. So thankful. How many of you in your groups, because that seemed to be the biggest talking point when we were reading through there, was talking about how did he not know that it wasn't Rachel? How did he not, or how did he not know that that was Leah? It was Leah. And then when you learned all about the context, it really adds that. And we learn that together. Isn't that great? We don't have to have all, all the answers. We just have to know the one who does, right? Yeah. So thank you for joining us. And we are so excited uh, to see you next week, same place, same time. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.